You're listening to the Biblical Manhood and Womanhood series taught by Pastor Rick Dressler at Maple City Baptist Church in Chatham, Ontario. For more information about Maple City, please visit us online at maplecitybaptistchurch.com. All right, let's talk about parenting this morning. This is my last lesson for a while now, at least for Sunday school. This is a topic, the truth is, today for parenting, we could spend like weeks and weeks and months here. And I thought it might not be a bad idea maybe next year um, to do a parenting class, not on a Sunday morning, but like, I don't know, like for an in-home fellowship or something like that, where we could, we could spend a lot of time on this. So, so today is not going to be real specific. It's more like a, a fire hydrant, like, like seven ideas, really, I'm telling you. I, I had real trouble this week on trying to narrow this down to just a couple things to talk about. And so my plan is to give you seven thoughts, and some will be like really quick, and some will be extensive. So, so we'll do that this morning. And as we move along, if you have questions or comments, please feel free to, to ask or to add. You've done a good job. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed the study myself. I, I've enjoyed the biblical manhood, womanhood, and I hope we've done it in such a way that it reaches everybody, not just couples or just parenting people, but singles and men and women in our church. And I hope it's been helpful. And let me say this about parenting. Uh, you can say, I don't have kids, and so it doesn't matter to me. Well, you might have grandkids. Uh, you might have nephews and nieces, right? You might work in a kid's ministry in our church, and, and these principles will apply to that as well, right? So, so I hope it's helpful. So let me begin by saying, since we cannot cover everything, here's some resources that may help you. Now, I, I sort of hesitate on this. I, I read a report from George Barna back in 2007. I know it's old news, but I don't think things have changed. He said in 2007, 10 years prior to that, 75,000 books have been written on parenting. 75,000 books. That was from, you know, 1997 to 2007. I'm not sure that's really helped us. I think parenting has suffered over the years. And so whatever they're writing, I don't know how helpful it's been, okay? And so, and I'm sure that it just, it just continues that rate. Not to say there's not good books. There are good books. And so here are four that I have read or one that I've sort of listened to. I've not read. The other three I've read that I think will help you narrow down instead of reading 75,000 books. Maybe take a couple of these. They might be real helpful to you. Ted Tripp, always helpful. Always helpful. Two books. One, Shepherding a Child's Heart by Tripp is awesome. And Parenting, 14 Gospel Principles that can radically change your family. This is his newest work. It's, it's worth a read. It really is. William Farley, Gospel-Powered Parenting, another good work, and, and that'll come in line with what you're going to hear today as well. And then Chip Ingram has a, a book called Effective Parenting in a Defective World. It will be helpful to you. So you won't agree with everything that's said in any book, I don't think. Maybe you will. Some are probably fairly good, but these are helpful. So do whatever you want with those. Take advantage of them. So take advantage of that, and then take advantage of the church, Right? We have people in the church who have raised children, who are raising children, who are now working with grandchildren. And so ask, um, really, get underneath someone and and get mentors in your life that can help you in this area. And let me just say this, you're going to make mistakes in this area. You can read 75,000 books, uh, and your kid is that bizarre kid that you don't know what to do with them, right? Uh, We're going to make mistakes. And so don't let that discourage you. We all make mistakes. And the truth is, if I could write a book this morning, I would write a book on my mistakes. And it would be volumes. Volumes. Because we do it. And so our prayer is that we can take these principles and use them to avoid some of those mistakes and come in line with what Scripture says about raising our kids. So, 
Any questions or comments on that? That's my, that's my intro. All right, here we go. This is the fire hydrant. Boom. Number one, the gospel, and I think Ed Welch said this. I'm not sure where I got this, but I didn't come up with this. The gospel is a classroom that teaches us everything we need to know to become effective blanks. Okay, so the first thing you need to understand, the gospel is the classroom to teach us everything we need to know to become effective, and you fill in the blank here, to become effective parents, right? Spouses. It's about the gospel. And the older I get and the more I see God working, we cannot, we cannot stray from the gospel. We don't outgrow the gospel. We go deeper and deeper into the profoundness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so the gospel is the classroom that teaches us everything we need to know to be believers, right? Faith and repentance. That's the Christian life. It's the gospel. Husband and wife. Sacrificial service. Sacrificial leadership. It's the gospel. Um, parents, we've been adopted by the Father, right? And he's a good father. And so we have that through the gospel. Uh, citizens, uh, workers, bosses, it's all there. And the gospel changes us. So that's the classroom. That's where we learn. That's where we stay. And we, we go deeper in this thing. And so if you're going to be an effective parent, understand it will be centered around the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're going to be effective at anything in the Christian life, we cannot move away from the gospel. It, it is our answer, okay? We need grace. Number two, the heart is the basic issue. We're talking about parenting now, but the truth is the heart's a basic issue for all of us. Let's look at two scriptures this morning. If someone would be so kind to read Proverbs 4, 23, and then Mark 7, 21 through 23. Someone, Proverbs 4, anyone there already this morning? Proverbs 4, Joanne, thank you for looking up and making eye contact. And then Mark 7, 21 through 23, no one's looking in my eye. Okay, Bernie, thank you. Let's read those and see what the scripture says about the heart this morning. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for all of it are the issues of life. Yeah, everything flows from the heart. So keep it, guard it, protect it, because everything flows from within the heart. It's not the external. It's in here, and Jesus makes that clear in Mark chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Go. Out of the heart of man proceeds evil thoughts, adultery, temptation, murder, sex, consciousness, wickedness, evil sin, and evil lies, blasphemy, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from the Lord and follow the man. Yeah, it all comes from the heart. Okay, that means your heart, my heart, it's wicked. It's deceptive, it's deceitful, it produces lots of bad things, which means your kids' hearts do the same thing. And as parents, this is where we get messed up sometimes, we're not directing our attention to the heart. The heart. The heart of the issue is an issue of the heart. So let me give some examples of this, right? As a parent, I'm sure this never happened to you, but if you have more than one child or in a nursery setting, you hear two kids screaming and there's one toy, Right? And so we walked into that situation, and here's what we say. Who had it first? I did. Right? That's a terrible standard with our children. I had it first. And so here's what we do. We take the toy from the kid who grabbed it and give it back to the kid who said, I had it first. What are we doing? 
There was never any comment about the heart, the selfishness, no movement there. We just solved the problem really quickly and said, okay, who had it first? And we're never dealing with the heart of the matter. Tripp talks about this, and he, was, and he told his kid the same thing. And the next day, he hears the toy box emptied out in the morning and goes into the room. And in the room, his son is surrounded by all the toys in the toy box, and he's touching them saying, I had them all first today. Right? Because that's what we taught them. We, we never directed anything to the heart. It was just, hey, who had it first? We grabbed the toy from that kid, give it to the other one, and we think we parented that child, and we didn't. We did nothing to direct the attention to the heart of the matter. And the heart of the matter is more than just who had it first. It's a selfish, greedy, unkind, me attitude heart. And so we have to direct our attention to the heart. Here's another example, all right? And we've done this, right? You get a brother and sister, and the older one pushes the younger one down, right? It's really great to see when a new baby comes into the household how all the dynamics change. Like the, the, the oldest one now wants nothing to do with this kid. He's an intruder. We, we went to see um, OJ, Oliver James, right? And uh, they brought Aiden in. This is his, he's a big brother, right? Aiden is probably two, maybe three. I don't know. And so Aiden comes in the room. They're all excited about, this is your little brother. This is your guy. You're the big brother. And he did it like this. He just turned away from the kid and asked his papa to take him out for a drive in the car, right? Nothing to do with that kid. He's an intruder, man. And so they grow up, and the oldest one pushes the youngest one down. And uh, so the youngest one starts crying. So we come to the room and say, okay, what happened? And the kid's crying. It's obvious you pushed him down. So we say, say you're sorry. And so the kid says, sorry. You're not sorry. Not sorry at all. And we know that and say, okay, say you're sorry and mean it this time. I'm sorry. He doesn't mean it. He doesn't mean it at all. And if you're really good and you're trying to keep on top of it, you say, okay, say you're sorry in a sentence. And we did that with our kids because they did it with their kids. Not a bad idea. I'm sorry for pushing you down. And then we say something like this. My, isn't Jesus happy with you right now? Can I tell you something? Jesus is not happy right now because that kid's not sorry. And, and there's no movement of the heart. There's no understanding what's wrong. There's no confronting those things. There's nothing that's done there. And what we've taught our kid is to be a Pharisee. To do the external things, to do them like you're told, and never worry about the heart. And listen to me. We've all done it or had it done to us. It's a bad idea. We are not directing our attention to the heart. Does that make sense? Right? And we do this. We all do it. So the heart of the issue is an issue of the heart. Parents, don't neglect their hearts. You can't do it. Uh, We're in trouble when we do. Number three, authority is good. Authority is good. We're going to spend some time on this one because there's some misunderstanding about authority. The world clamors at us today to tell us authority is not good. Everyone's against authority. We see it in our governments. We see it in our citizens. We see it in our homes and in our churches. Everyone's against authority. And we think I'll be free if I just, I just, I just whip off authority. No, the truth is there is freedom in authority. And we need to understand that. And parents are given authority. 
You have authority. And listen to me. The authority is not because you're bigger, you're stronger, or you're louder. Because I want to tell you something that changes. There's coming a day when you won't be bigger, stronger, maybe still louder if you're a big mouth, maybe. But those kids grow up. And so your authority doesn't come because you're bigger than them. Your authority is God-given. And God has given you that authority for a reason. The reason is to parent your children. Your children. All right? Authority is good. Law is good. Right? The law is good. The law exposes sin. The law shows us what's wrong. The law is a perfect guide. But now listen to me. And and I don't want to sound like I'm contradicting what I'm saying. Because the law is good. Authority is good. But when you just stay with the law, you're asking to do the law to do something that it was never intended to do, right? The law can't change a heart. It can't do it. We need the law, but that's not all we need. We need grace as well, right? To be rescued and transformed, it doesn't come just from the law, right? So, uh, under this topic here of authority is good, authority is good, authoritative is good, But this authoritarian kind of model that many of us have grown up with is not good. And what I mean by that is the parent who just says, I'll tell you what, when I tell you to jump, you just say how high. I'm not going to, and my hand is, hits this spilled milk, and this is, and it's just rules, 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 and this, this, just kind of this heavy handed, I'm in charge, I'm large, and that's it. That is not godly authority. It's not. And it's not productive. It's not productive at all. All rules without reasons lead to rebellion. And for too many of us, we take this authoritarian idea, and it's just behavior modification. All I want to do is make sure that you're doing what I tell you to do. I don't care what your heart's about. I don't care what your attitude's about. Just do what you're told. And uh, this is problematic as our kids get older. We just announce a a punishment, and we walk away. This, this is it, and you walk away from it. This is inadequate. And this is not what authority looks like, right? And so many of us, I grew up in a house like that, right? There wasn't, there wasn't and I'm talking 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, there wasn't an explanation or a guiding or a leading or a protecting. There was none of that. It was do what you're told or else. And back then the or else was or else. It wasn't time out, Right? <laughs> Right. I'm wondering if that was that generation back, that time frame. I, I think it was, Bernie. Yeah. I think it was. I think, I think that's how they were raised and how they grew up, and it was you know, the post-war stuff. And that was, you know, the father did his job at work. He came home, read the paper, smoked a cigar, put his slippers on. At least what that's what Leave it to Beaver's dad did, right? And, and we, that was it. And so just do what you're told. Then maybe that's true. And I think what happens with that is then the pendulum swings the other way. So... This is what happened to me, and I hated it, and it was wrong, right? But what I do now is the pendulum swings so far that now I'm, I'm a permissive parent, and now I do nothing. Now I ignore my kids. Now, don't rock the boat, right? I mean, let them do what they want to do, and so we become permissive in our attitude because we say, well, we just want to practice grace now. Listen to me, something about grace. Grace is not permissive. Grace calls out sin. Grace never tells, tells you that something that is wrong is right. It calls wrong, wrong. 
That's what grace does. And so it's not this idea of, well, we need to practice grace, and it's just permissive that the kid does whatever he wants to do. And now I have no authority. I just advise them. What do you want to eat, sweetheart? Where do you want to go? Do you want to go to bed now or two hours from now? Right? (laughs) If you're good, I will get you a snack as we leave the store. If you stop screaming and smacking mommy, I'll get you a Happy Meal. Right? It's insane. And we got to be careful. We, we misunderstand grace. John 1, 17, right? The law came by Moses, and grace and truth came by Jesus Christ, right? All grace. Do you know grace in the end says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord? That's grace. That's his grace. And so we got to be careful about this pendulum swinging too far that we don't want to rock the boat. And so we change the environment of the kid. Johnny's crying because you took his toy, so I take the toy from you and give it to Johnny. Johnny's not happy in the store, so I move, go to the store and go to the park because he wants to go there. Johnny's throwing a tantrum now, and I just want him, so we, we change the environment for Johnny. It's a bad idea because the child then becomes selfish, self-centered, and a monster that nobody likes. And that's not our goal for people like our kids, but I'm telling you, no one likes them. You don't even like them. That's the truth. Parents don't like their children because they have raised them to be self-centered monsters because they never told them no. They're just permissive in their attitude. We cannot do this. We cannot do this. We become lazy and busy and make excuses. Here's the truth of the matter. Parents, grandparents, teachers, workers, real discipline. And when I say discipline, I mean the whole gamut of discipline. Correcting, instructing, training, teaching, praying, crying with, hugging, and loving. Discipline takes real time, and it's real work. It's real work. And that's why so many parents today don't want to do it. It's hard work. It is easier to turn a blind eye to your kid when you know what they're doing is wrong. Uh, Deal with it. Okay, You were not called to ignore And I have to tell you something. This is a real problem, but at the same time, I've seen real good evidence of parents in this place doing just that when it's inconvenient. A matter of fact, I think it was last week, I I watched a parent and Kim watched a parent. I was at the door and I was was having people come in and this little young man came in. I said, hey, and I won't give you his name because then you know who it was. Um, Hey, Bernie, um, uh, how you doing? And the kid just ignored me. I know, well, that, that, that's a, there's a reason for that, though. Oh. Bernie, we should go on stage, man. I think we could. So, so the kid ignored me, and he was about to walk in the, in the church, and the mom grabbed him and said, come here, honey, sit down. And she sat him down. And then he still didn't do it the right way, and she did it again. And finally the kid did it, and he did it right. Can I tell you something? It would have been so easy for that mother to say, oh, he's just tired, and he's just crabby, or he got on the wrong side of the bed, and let him ignore it, but she didn't. And then Kim watched the same thing happen with somebody else. Is that the right deal? Yeah. Do you know what? That takes time. It takes work. It takes energy. And we don't want to do it. We want to be just permissive. But I'm telling you something. It's not what you're called to do. That's not parenting. And you're given opportunities to deal with your children, and you ignoring them doesn't make it go away. Right? When are we going to learn that ignoring problems don't make it go away? Stace? In a situation like that, do you think that the 
like that. If you like take the kid out and talk to them to try to get them to do the right thing and kind of say hello or right. like or whatever. Um, sometimes it feels like um, like for me, I'm being like touch in a way or just do something like that and then he's to say hello. Um, he's just, he's, his attitude or Sure. Right. Exactly. Right. So how do I get his heart in there? Okay, I think at first, I don't think you worry about the heart at first, because obedience is important, right? Just sheer obedience is important. Ephesians 6.1, children obey your parents and Lord. And I think, maybe this is a hard part for us. I think sometimes we think, okay, the gospel has to come into play here, and I'm going to work on their attitude and their spirit. But the fact is, if we don't get obedience down first, we're in trouble. Because that obedience isn't just them obeying you. You are a representation of God to them. They need to learn that when, when I say something, we just do it. And I think after that, we can then work on the attitude. Because you're right. That kid's not saying, hey, they'll say it, and you know that I'm happy to see you. right? That, and they're not. okay. And that's okay. Then we can work on that and say, okay, you should have obeyed me. But listen, when we talk about this, this is why we, we say hi to people. This is why we're kind to people. This is, And you can work on those things. But I think don't, don't let the attitude keep you from making them be obedient, because they've got to be obedient. If we don't get obedience down, and can I tell you this too? This has been my experience, and I think for lots of people, the real hard work comes between zero, not zero, zero is like, meh, they don't do anything, but, but before five years old. Before five years old. I mean, you've got a space there that, that it's like, game on, right? Game on. Just roll up your sleeves, sister, because it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard because they are, we'll talk about it in a minute, about their autonomy. You're not going to rule over me. And so we got to be careful in, in, that, in that early stages to say, get obedience down. I mean, get it down. And, and this is what mom and dad says or said. This is what you do. And they have to do it. They have to do it. That, um, oh, that situation, you're so right about like, the first five years. I mean, obedience is so important. But... Um, Chuck calls them um, moments of grace. I'm going to get to that. Oh. But go ahead. No, it's a really good point. Because it is an inconvenience, it's not, it's never the right time or whatever, but it's a moment of grace. The little heart is revealed, and you have a moment to teach them, you know. Exactly. So we'll park here for a minute, because it's worth talking about. We'll get to, let's go for, fast forward when we get there. Those moments of rebellion, they're exposing the heart of your child. And when you ignore it, You've acted like it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. They're rebelling against you, and they're rebelling against God. And, and, and here's what happens. If we don't see it for what it is, and we'll talk in a moment about this, it becomes a burden. It's a hassle. It's an inconvenience. But if we see it as, okay, God, you have given me the opportunity to raise this soul for you like an arrow in the hands of a mighty hunter to, to aim them and point them to, to impact this world. This is my job. And now in this moment, you have given me this space to look into that kid's heart as he pushes his sister or he puts his head back or flips on the floor, right? You now know. The great thing about kids is you don't have to guess what they're thinking. It's, it's all out there, man. Yeah. It's there. And it's there for a reason. It is a moment of grace that we say, okay, God, and this is hard, God, thank you, right? Because we don't feel that way. But I have an opportunity. And listen, sometimes that battle lasts a long, long, long time. We have been out when our kids were younger. Like, okay, early ministry was terrible for us, really terrible. We were poor. We had nothing. And so going out was a big deal. And I remember going out with AJ and Gregory to a diner in Bertrand. It was a big deal. And we get there, and AJ flips out. 
He ruined. I mean, we left the diner. We went in, went out, went in, went out, went home. That, that's, the way, that's the way that evening looked. And he was ready to fight. He's a strong will, like his mother. And so, <laughs> you laugh. And, and we knew, it was like, the battle's on. The battle is on. And it would have been easy to coddle him and give him more french fries or whatever he wanted there and to ignore it and just try to have a nice time. It wasn't the time for that. It was, and we hated it. It was so irritating and maddening. But it was a moment of grace to say, this is a battle. And I have to tell you something. In his life, for that moment, it took an hour, maybe an hour. We weren't even home. It took an hour. And after that, he was broken. And that was his, that was his point. And not that he ever caused problems. He caused lots of problems after that. But... That was the big deal there. And so you have these moments of grace. If we could see them like that, it would change. And, and grandparents and, and uncles and aunts. And if we see this as opportunities, it would change. Sorry, Tara, go ahead. Okay. I, I, I don't know. 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 That's right. So the naughty kids are the best ones to have. God bless you, parents. You keep it up. We're doing it. Naughty, and, and the truth is, they are. And listen, can I tell you something? It's with our boys too. One of our sons will be very compliant on the outside. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Whatever that goes. And 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 he says the right things. But I got to tell you something. In his heart, man, he's just. If you could see his heart, it gets. And we got other. We got another one who it's out there, man. You at, you know when you talk to him, his whole demeanor expresses that he can't stand you, right? His body language is I, I couldn't care less about what you're saying. It's easier for us to deal with that boy, right? Because it's out there, and so we're seeing this the wrong way. And if you could see it, young moms and young dads, as opportunities of grace, it would change us. It would, Kim. Kind of nice with older parents um, to for us to think of that little moment um, at the time. It was, we didn't even think about it afterwards for a long time. But looking back, I mean, it was so inconvenient, but it was such a powerful moment. And so you don't know what. I mean, you might think that this is the worst time, the worst, but it could be one of those things in your kid's life that when you look back, it's like, wow. I mean, we saw his heart right. for what uh, about what he did. Right. And especially when they get a little older. Yes. Right. For such a time as this. Bernie? And, and you know what? You did the right thing by leaving the restaurant. He punished you, but you punished him at the same time. Right. And so the burden is on him because you didn't get to enjoy that as a family. Right. You felt that. Exactly right. You never will forget that. That's right. And he didn't. He didn't. And, and I have to tell you, I remember going through that. I was so mad. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was mad. I mean, I was, how could you ruin it? You know what I mean? It, it was maddening. But the truth is, we, we left. And it and it changed and, and his little brother knew too. I mean, the whole family was involved in this thing. Chantel? This may be a big question, but like how do you deal with like say grandparents, aunts, uncles who don't have the same views as you? Okay. And are constantly like undermining you. That's a good question. The question is, how do you deal with grandparents or aunts and uncles who don't have the same view as you have and they undermine what you're doing? Right? So the kids go away to the grandparents' house, they come back and you have to have boot camp. <laughs> right? That happened with our kids. Mr. Manning. <laughs> no, no. And, and they, weren't, they, weren't, they weren't undermining. They were grandparents, right? And our kids thought they could do whatever they want, right? And not that they were good grandparents. I'm not saying that. But she's talking about people that are actually undermining. Stop looking at her. Um, uh, 
that are actually undermining what you're doing. And they do it like, hey, we don't want them to have so much sugar. It's like, here's some lollipops for you, kid, right? Now, listen, this is a really good question. I'm, I'm just going to throw out what I, and I'll have other people respond to this. Um, the Bible tells us that as much as life, then you live peaceably with all men. And so we should strive for peace, right? But at the same time, you have an obligation and responsibility to raise your children in a way that pleases the Lord. And so I think you start by having honest, kind, compassionate conversations by saying, listen, we love you. We know you love the kids. We know you want to spoil them in these areas. And, and we understand that. But here are a couple of things that we're really trying to work on. And when they come home, it's really hard for us. And so if you can help us in this, we would really appreciate it. Now, I know that can be said. And they say yes, or they get mad, and they don't do it, right? Then I think as it escalates, I think that you have to make choices then. And not to punish, but I think then you have to sort of put them sort of in a box and say, okay, we can do this and this and this, but we're not going to do the overnight thing. We're not going to do this because it's problematic and you're causing us more work. And so I don't think it's not an easy situation, but I think the bottom line is we've got to live in peace. We want to still foster good relationships, but there does come a time when we have to say, you know what, Uncle Jerry, they just can't do that right now. And I think that's fair. Any comments on that? That's, that's just off the cuff, but that's a great question because it happens. Okay, for Mr. Manning, here we go. In defense of grandparents. <laughs> this is not, this is my passage. Okay. We never undermine. I said that. You never undermine. You spoil. Like, okay, you have the kids, you don't, you're not going to give them chores like, okay, we're going to do this work. You know, it's a, they're like on a vacation. So when you get back from a vacation, you do have to okay. tweak them. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Okay, that's a good defense. No, that's fair. That is fair. And, and you didn't undermine. The truth is you didn't undermine. But it, it's right, because we had to tweak them, because they thought they were the center of the universe all of a sudden. It's like, no, no, this is reality. We're not, I'm not your grandpa. But I'm going to be the kind of grandpa that my grandkids, they're doing work. You're coming to grandpa's house? It's Mr. <laughs> Mr. Dressler. I'm doing work. All right. Bernie? That is so good. My grandkids come over, and they say, Grandpa, can we help you? Yeah, no. And you go, where does this come from? Right. Where's the <laughs> Yeah, then they move away. See? But probably because of that. Their kids are tired at the end of the day and they can't. Just as a suggestion, if you've got grandparents that are really meddling yeah. in your parenting, sometimes you have to restrict their access. Yeah. And that is hard. But you say, uh, Mom, you know what? You're not listening to me. We had this discussion last week, two weeks ago. Right. And you just keep giving them candy and it's not good for right. them. Right. And he's got allergies or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you have to restrict access. Yeah. I think that's right, Bernie. It is hard. It's difficult, and you don't want to do that. And, and, and don't be the kind of parents that you just do that off the cuff, because if you make those decisions, you're just the jerk that's done it now, right? You've got to you prayerfully do this and consider. But Bernie's right. There comes a time it's like, I, we can't do this anymore because it's counterproductive to our home. You're responsible for your home. Those are your kids. You're going to account for them. So there is a time to do that. Yep. I think it's important to go to the child even before you go to the grandparents and say, you know, this is what, explain to them yeah. what you want, what yeah. you expect. And we've seen it with Kim when she was little. You know, my parents were drinkers. They'd give a kid a drink, you know, mm-hmm. and she refused, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was like <laughs> my parents were, and we never said anything to them. Right, but she understood how this how the house works. Yeah. And that's good. I think that as they get older, you can do those things. And then it means the whole family's on the same page, right? And they see it as not we're punishing you because we don't want you to have a good time with grandma and grandpa. It's just they give you 10,000 pounds of sugar, and when you come home, you're bouncing off the walls and not listening to anybody. So I think that's right. Kim? And it should not be the, 
Yeah. But sometimes it's like then it's like the daughter-in-law is the wicked one or the son-in-law. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably good wisdom advice there. Yeah, at least go together. But it shouldn't be the the daughter-in-law saying to the mother, you know, the mother-in-law. That probably doesn't work. Probably doesn't work well. I mean, it'd be better to have a united front there, which would be good. Anything else? Those are good. Ken? Okay. Don't interfere with your kid's life. Yeah, don't interfere. With their, with their, with their life. Their family. Yeah, right. Let them, I raise my kids, they can raise theirs. Yeah, yeah. But when they ask me for advice, I tell them. If they don't ask me, I don't tell them. Yeah, right. Unless there's something destructive. You see, okay, the father's taking the kid and dangling him over a, a overpass, right, to be funny. <laughs> you should probably step in at that point and say, you know, that's probably a bad idea. But it's true. I mean... If we could, but you know what? I have to tell you, I think I'm going to have a hard time not, inter- I'm, I'm going to try not to interfere with my kid's life, but I, I want to help raising those grandkids. I want to do that. I think it's, I think it's biblical and godly, and I want, to, I want to be a support to them and not a detriment, right? That's what I want to do. I, I can see myself stepping over boundaries, and I don't want to do that, but I could see it, right? So it, it's hard. And, and, and maybe we should sit back, too, as the parents and consider the grandparents who love the kids, right? They love their kids, unless they're weird grandparents. My, my grandmother was weird. So, so but, but we should consider that too. Dan? So, in defense of parents. <laughs> so, okay, so. You two can meet up afterwards too and record it. Um, so, I think, I think one of the things though, like with, with my parents, um, so I know my parents are like great parents anyway, but one of the things that's been helpful for us with them is if we're having uh, problems with one of our kids in a certain area, and we might like let them know, like, hey, we're really working on this mm-hmm. with Spencer or something. Right. And so if you can help us in this area, then, then that's, that would be really helpful to us so that they feel like they're let in on it and it's not just right. afterward being finding out that everything is Yes, everything. right. Um, but for, for grandparents to understand, too, that the reason, like, if, if we spoiled our kids all the time, then you wouldn't want to be around them. Exactly right. And so um, part of the reason that that you maybe have any kind of affection for our kids is because we're not spoiling them. Yes. And so then for you to completely spoil them, it kind of like... You're shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good advice, Dan. And I think the, the idea of coming before them, too, and not having this adversarial role with your parents to say, this is what we're trying to do, and even saying, the reason you like our kids is because we're trying to do it right. And then you're undermining this, and so it's making it... If, if we allowed our kids to do what, everything that you're doing, you would hate them. You would not ask for them anymore. Right? And that's good advice. So I think you two are right on. I think you bring us right to a good point right there, right? I think we're going to be okay. I have a rebuttal. <laughs> Ten seconds for a rebuttal, and then we'll go back to Dan. With our uh, parents, where they weren't saved, so you really have a conflict there no matter what. So if you can work it out and you say, hey, we're working in this area, and they're listening to you, that's great. That's the way to do it. Amen. And, that's, and look, this is Christianity. I, for the life of me, I don't understand why two people or four people who know Christ as Savior cannot work things out. But they can't. Someone's stubborn or, or thick-headed, but I think this gives us some kind of primary work. I'm out of time. What do we get through? Oh, three. Do you want to? Really? Should we just do one more next week? Okay, but I have the material. Next week, one more. Thank you, Pastor Dan. We'll do one more next week. And we're going to stop it next week. Anything else before we close? All right, God bless you. I saw Taves just came in. Praise the Lord, probably here for the big anniversary. All right, and good to have them here. God bless you, folks. We'll see you in services.